Today's podcast is brought to you by drinkers like you. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash have a drink show. Greg Cook was a rolling stone. Wherever he brewed his beer was his home. Okay, I'm not reading this. Least of all, because we're probably going to get some kind of takedown notice. Uh, it's time to turn our focus to those arrogant beers from a little brewery called Stone Brewing. Uh, maybe we'll learn that they aren't such bastards after all. And while we're at it, have a drink. Welcome to Have a Drink, the show where you learn along with us about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Fraser, And I'm Christopher Walker. Hi. Hey, guys. <laughs> it's been a minute. We're, yeah. Damn, uh, back to doing, for a regular I, show, anyway. For a regular, like, studio recording, because before this... so was, I was going to say, me and Chris have been recording like clockwork. I don't know what you guys yeah. are... Yeah, no, we... Like, me and you... We I was did, babying. We were in Asheville know, last weekend at White Labs. That was really fun. Uh, that we know we had a weekend off before that, and I think before that we were at Casey's discussing whether or not Casey would actually be going to drink tacular or not. When we, we did, uh, we never thought he was going to go to to, to drink tacular, he, he and had, then he he had it in his head that oh yeah I'll be there and all this, and then well, we can let, let's get there. Let let's just tell. So uh, what have we what what's everyone been up to? Well, at least two of us were up to drink tacular down in Asheville. Well, mm-hmm. I was at my parents' house, kind of on the way there, uh, and taking care of the baby, and vi- getting to visit and having a much-needed mental health break. Yeah. Her decision I, was made on our way down there. She was like, no, I can't do it. I can't go. I, I approved this decision, because I was like, no, she she should spend time with the baby. The baby... Yes, but... She it- need- it was the nightmare scenario that we've discussed the whole time leading up to this was, no, it's going to be just me and Bob trying to wrangle this together, and it's going to be like herding cats, and it's just going to fall apart and be awful. The show is going to be 90% 80s pop culture reference references and bad puns. That's But it, but it turned out okay. Uh, we had other – there were other people there to rein us in. Mm-hmm. So, um, I guess we'll get on that. If you're wondering, yeah, what the hell are you guys talking about? And you, you missed everything we talked about in the last episode. Like, if you missed the last episode and everything leading up to the last episode, it was Drinktacular down in Asheville, North Carolina. Uh, formerly Beer City, USA. Chicago now holds the title. I mean, still got a lot of beer there. Still a lot of fantastic beer. Oh. So, uh, we went down there. Uh, we got down there a day early. A lot of us like a little preview night. Which is like most of us, I believe, because everyone was too excited. And so that first Couldn't night, contain how much we wanted to be down there. Yeah. Where the drinkers are. <laughs> we wanted to be 
want to see them drinking. <laughs> so, yeah, we all got got down there a day early and immediately ran out to uh, Highland Brewing. and uh, Where few, I got a hat. Yes. A few of us uh, met up there for dinner and some drinks and wound up on an impromptu surprise tour of their facilities, which are amazing, and actually everything they talked about there inspired us that we're going to have to do a Highland Brewing episode sometime soon because that was an interesting tour, and there is a real story to be told behind that brewery. What I also found, in, like, I just loved the look around the table when they announced, like, we'll now be lining up for the 8.30... Uh or whatever time it was, tour, for uh, anyone that's interested. We just stop, look around, you just see everyone kind of go, ah, huh? and everyone's, should we? Everyone's got, like, full beers. And <laughs> it was like, go check on that. And I was like, yeah, I'll be right back. I'm going to go talk to him. And I come back, and it's like, so the tour leaves in two minutes. And I just look around, and it's like, bottoms up. And everyone's just like, all right. <laughs> Led to our other favorite story about that particular place, though. Uh, before that, when they we walked up to the counter and said, uh, yeah, um, look, I see you've got some, well, we've had a flight, they have their nice big barrel-aged selection there, so I was like, look, uh, as our friend Eric walks up and goes, can, can I get an up, you know, just for an upcharge, get a flight of the barrel-aged stuff, you know, pay whatever, he was like, you cannot, I can pay, give it to you for the same price as any other flight we have here, and we just went, that's not how the game is played. <laughs> Yeah, not used to that one. Usually if you get barrel-aged stuff or any special taps or something like that, it's like, nope, there's an upcharge and all those. But now, Highland Brewing is a flat 10 bucks for a flight. doesn't matter what you're getting in it. So it's like, all right, sweet. And then that's when we all started stacking barrel-aged stuff in those flights. But uh, the tour there, impromptu, and it was really good. Um, I think then we all got kind of sloshed and went and did an episode of... Uh, uh, Cincy Brewcast. So, yes, if you want to, I, I still yes. have to listen to that. I downloaded it. I just haven't gotten there. Hear us all. Some of us uh, really drunk. Some of us only slightly okay, because some of us <laughs> had to be the D D kind of D. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't me. Yeah, I was sad. Uh, and I keep having it's like, and Chris gets a, a sampling, and then everyone else gets full pours, and I'm like, no, oh. I'm sorry, I was supposed to be the D D for that trip. It's fine. Uh, but then no, after it was that, a lot we of decided, fun Brewcast, though. We decided, hey, let's go down to Burial. <laughs> so then we all just like, well, that's not until like tomorrow evening, but sure, why <laughs> we, not? Can we catch them like just before Last Call? Yeah, so anyone who's not in the know, uh, Last Call in Asheville is... Ten- during the week. <laughs> no, on the weekend. We were there like... Well, that's the, true. Everywhere else, like pretty much the whole place shuts down at 10 o'clock. They've got some kind of weird liquor laws down there that we should have added into our uh, let's also, weird liquor laws episode. Let's also address one of the weird things about just apparently how things are done in Nashville, which was not something I was used to. You go to the bar, you need to place an order for a drink, you get in line. Like everyone formed an orderly line to the bartender to place an order for whatever they needed. There wasn't like this crowding around, yeah. you know, three people deep, kind of going. Hey, when we get a second, there there was some general confusion about that because a lot of it we're all stand like everyone just kind of queued up on their own, and then we're all looking around each other like there's plenty of room at the bar for everyone to go up there and you know like start fighting to you know get the bartender's attention. But now everyone just kind of lined up and single filed in. That was interesting. It's probably for the best that way. But yeah, so mm-hmm. that was just the preview night. Uh, 
That was really good. And so we kicked everything off the next morning at Sierra Nevada. Awesome, uh, awesome tour. We had a very interesting uh, hoppy ale with no hops. Uh, with no hops. They, they, they brewed well, with nothing okay. but lupulin powder. Yes. They, they did not boil hops in there. They added the lupulin powder in post-boil. And they said there was a post-boil dry hopping as well. Some kind of weird, yeah. weird crap that was going on with that. Uh, that was interesting. So we had an amazing tour there. That facility is just... Gorgeous. Yes, it is absolutely amazing. Uh, some pictures up uh, around. I think we got some on the website and all of our social media stuff. If you want to see us there, having fun. Also, also duck fat fries. Oh, that duck fat everything there. And just duck on everything. <laughs> yeah, he was like, talking about like a d- duckapalooza. It's duckapalooza at that Sierra Nevada. It and it's fantastic. I loves me some duck. So after that, uh, where did we go? We went to One World, which was awesome. That was down in the basement mm. of uh, it was in the basement yeah. of a burger place, like farmhouse burger. And we didn't actually get to go there the whole time there. Yeah, we, we tried. <laughs> Sorry, we got tried. hand on the door, tried to go in, and then the phone rang. The, the other yeah, other things came up. It's fine. So, um, but we went to One World, which it's like a speakeasy to get in there. It's really cool. I think we got pictures of what that looks like. Like the doors in an alleyway, and you think you're going to go get mugged. I don't know. It's really, it's really. There were some guys there in trench coats, like waving me down. I was like, no. (laughs) But yeah, uh, One World was cool, and then we went to the real cool place, which is a speakeasy, um, Crow and Quill. Yes. So that is a speakeasy. And it, you can't tell it's there. It looks like a closed down like storefront. And then we and, had a friend that that lived down there that was a member, so they could get in. Yeah, and we all kind of piggybacked on her membership to get in. And it's like it's it's labeled. It says the uh, crow and quill, right? In but black lettering on black paint. It's black lettering on like dark hunter green paint. Like you've really got to be looking to see it. But when you go inside, the place looks like uh, the Adams Manor. Like, it is extremely dim, and everything's oil lamp lit. And even when the bartender comes up with the guest book to check us in, he's speaking very lowly, and the place is really quiet. And it's just like, all right. That place yeah. is awesome. It's a nice change of pace. That place is awesome. And they had a bottle of Habiki 12. So, uh, me and Jim definitely got pours of Habiki 12 over there, because you will never find that whiskey. And with what, if you check out the news show, you're probably never going to find that whiskey again. So, we couldn't pass up pours of that. Uh, Amazing cocktails all around. They had uh, their version of a Death in the Afternoon, which was, I believe, a Death at Dusk? Death at Dusk, yeah. I didn't actually get that one. I ended up with a a, uh, Kentucky Mule-esque style drink but the real thing that everyone was excited about was the was it an old-fashioned or a manhattan that was infused with smoke oh they yeah they do smoke infused cocktails like that i would was think it'd be the old-fashioned but they did it, all of them you, you could you could do it for whatever you asked for oh. basically but by the third third time of him having to use the machine to infuse the smoke i just went i'll get something else something that looks like it's less work <laughs> Mm. Yeah, because it was like ten minutes to make one of the smoke-infused cocktails. It was really cool-looking, time-consuming. But when we're all looking at our watches, going, you know, we got to be at burial in like an hour, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then we were walking. Uh, so yeah, after Crone Quill, we ran back down to burial. 
uh, spent some time there, chowed down a little bit. Then we went, oh, crap, where'd we go after burial? Uh, that's when the night gets fuzzy. The night gets fuzzy. Uh, uh, Green no, Man. We ended... Green Man. Green Man, yes. Green Man, and then uh, the night ended at Bramari. Yes. Which, it's really difficult to get a table at Bramari. Uh, incredibly difficult to get a table there and exceedingly so when half of the place is closed down for a private event hmm. that yeah that was a different night but yeah and then uh, next day started off brighton early at new belgium for our private tour which was hands down one of the greatest uh brewery tours i've ever had it was mm-hmm. amazing it's worth the money you have to do it and uh, we got to suckle suckle from the teat of the bright tanks, the, the four hundred hectoliter bright tanks. Yeah, when when you're like, oh, would you like some Voodoo Ranger? Would you like it straight from the bright tank? Uh, yes, please. The Imperial Voodoo Ranger. Imperial Voodoo Ranger, right? And we, and which uh, we're all like, I, I, can't I remember. We're all like, I remember having that from a bottle, and it was not that impressive. So it was kind of like, eh, okay, I mean, we'll humor him. And then he pours it for us, and it's absolutely amazing. Like, right there, I'm like, this is one of the best IPAs I've ever had. Whether it's it was that Freshness fresh, better. yeah, whether it's that fresh, or it was just the experience of being there with all that around us, I don't know. It was just absolutely amazing. We did, we did by the way, take the slides, which at some point I need to upload those pictures onto oh, Discord. Because I, I forgot I was the one that took them all. You got everyone coming down. I got about everyone... Uh, at the top of the slide, it's like a two-story. It's so any of those of you been out to the mothership out in uh, out in Fort Collins, the slide at, in North Carolina is twice the size. It is huge, mm. and it's uh, it's a lot better. And I just got to say, yeah, that 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 part is hands down better out in out in North Carolina. All right, the uh... oh, you're saying the North Carolina one was. Bigger better. and better than yes. the other. Okay, Bigger and okay. better. Um, now, I will say the other thing that was great about that tour was watching people take their regular tours and like they're stopping at the glass and just kind of looking through at stuff. And we're just like, "Now nah, we're going on in." <laughs> then he's like, "Okay, guys, we're going to sneak back over here to the tasting station before anyone else gets back, and we're going to pour another beer." <laughs> yeah. No, they don't skimp on the beer on that tour. Yeah, he's like looking around. He's like looking over his shoulder. He's like, "I know you guys have just had, uh, and just had a few, but uh, let's pour some Lafalle down you as well." And then he's like, "Let's just get our pours, and we'll scoot on down here to the uh, <laughs> to the packaging facilities." And uh, but no, that was that was one of the best best tours. And then the giant kegging robot arm that they've got, and yes. like he just they weren't actually working on anything that day because it was a Saturday. But one of the guys on the loading dock was there, and he's like, hey, can you just go fire it up? And they're like, sure. And so this gigantic, I don't know, like two or three ton <laughs> robot arm that throws kegs around suddenly starts, comes to life. And I've got a video of that. I haven't put it up yet. That was cool. It's kind of like, so that door is like a keys to the kingdom kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of like, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? You're like, you want to take a crap on the floor? Go for it. Place is yours. <laughs> Just like we're there, and he's like, "Well, I'll tell you about you know one of the first sours they brought here to the U.S. You know, with the uh, with the Abbey beer." And we're like, "We thought ABM Bev brought the first beer, <laughs> first sour beers to yeah uh, like to America." He just stops because I like you guys. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, uh, but that tour, absolutely amazing. Our tour guide, whose name escapes me, escape. Uh, yeah. He was fantastic. Um, and they keep like we get back to the and a lot of beer. Get back to the tap room, and they're still like he's like, all right, we he's like, let's pour one last one on you guys. Uh, this one's not out yet, actually, so mm-hmm. they're they're only serving it out of the tap rooms in Fort Collins and uh, down in Asheville. It was oh crap! What is it? It is amazing. It's some kind of, it's a collaboration with a brewery in Mexico. Oh oh yeah yeah the, it's something with agave, isn't it? Yeah, and it um, was incredible. He's like, oh, I had about six packs and all that everywhere in like a couple months. The other one that was uh, pretty great that we found down there was just a straight up regular stout. Oh yeah, down there you can get uh, it's exclusive. To the Asheville Brewery, a uh, cocoa and coffee stout, mm-hmm. and you can only get it in Asheville. And that's uh, as soon as I saw it, I was like, "Well, that's I'm getting that." <laughs> yeah, it's pretty nice. Uh, yeah, what after New Belgium? Where did we go after that? Uh, White Labs. White Labs. That's we right. We spent most of the day then at White Labs. We recorded an episode, took the tour. Ate amazing food where they used their beer yeasts because it was like uh, I keep it keeps escaping me what uh, Brett they use Brett Nemiases, uh mm, yeah. in the batter for the French fries. You could you're right, and you could get uh, uh, like a plate of just or a board of like weird, you know, old fermented old, things, old fermented food, yeah. Uh, or, you know, you could just get kimchi fries and call out for it in your sleep nights later. Uh, Wait, so you got to finally try kimchi? Well, okay, I didn't actually eat the kimchi part that was on there. Just oh. the, the juice of the kimchi and the, the seasoning and everything else on it was amazing to start with. I was gobbling uh, up. It uh, comes back to the duck thing that they had, uh, like a duck liver pate or something on that board. And yes. I was eating the hell out of that. Oh, it was so good. And there's also the chicken sandwich, which also haunts my dreams. Yes, that is a Nashville hot chicken sandwich. That thing was... Mm, Massive. Chef's kiss good. Just, oh, so good. Uh, so we had a great time there. We didn't, there, wasn't, there wasn't anyone for us to interview because everyone was off work. <laughs> so it was like, which was eh, our- the only people here are the bartenders who are dealing with a, you know, a busy tap room and restaurant. Yeah, so like, but yeah, they man. gave us a nice, nice little area to record and gave us a good tour to so we could talk about everything. It was, it was a good, good little trip. Yeah, uh, yeah, we had fun with that. And I think later that night we went to, you know, we can't just keep going through this. Yeah, that'd take all night. <laughs> we 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 hit up some last chances to pick up cans and bottles. I, I will say that. And then 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 there was drop back by Green Man's new tapper and we hit high wire and yeah, we, we ran then, out of then, time. Then there. Then there was the bottle share. Oh, God, the bottle share. Look. Where Smoke gave us pink eye. Definitely got some pink eye there. Uh, pink eye was going around, is all, all to be I said. got it. Chris has it. It's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can deal with it by the end of the episode. Well, more about that later. Uh, yeah, and then we decided definitely if we do one of these again, uh, it was unanimous. Everyone wants the share Earlier. to happen. The first night, and I'm like, okay, then. <laughs> I yeah, thought we were afraid would... of being like just ruined yeah. for further things. Turns but... out, everyone wanted it uh, immediately. So, 
Well, in fairness, we slowed down at the end because we didn't want to have to be feeling terrible on the drive back, which was a valid concern. Yes. And everyone ignored my advice of only bring three beers. I did not only bring three beers. However, I expected to just kind of have like a dealer's choice of of the things I have. What do you want? Yeah, and to be fair, you brought something absolutely amazing. And to add on top of that, uh, Cappy's up in Loveland is doing a an ethereal tap takeover oh. where they are featuring oh. exclusively one of the only kegs to get distributed of chocolate and sea salt Baba Yaga. <sighs> that sounds oh. really good. It is. It's... It tastes like Cocoa Puffs. Yeah. We, uh... It was one of those. I, I gave it to. Uh, it was kind of unanimous. Eric again. It was. It was. All, I think it was unanimous that that was probably yeah. the best beer of the share. I think Eric gave me the best reaction for that, which was I was like, like here, I don't, you know, it's it's from one of the Lexington breweries, so you know, it's not as. I was like, I'm trying to apologize for it because apologizing is what I do, uh, and, um, uh, you know, he he takes a little sip of it. He goes, oh, oh, and I was like, oh, is it not good or something you don't like? Is there an off thing? He's like. No, speechless. That's what I am right now. It's, and I was like, oh, oh, so good. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Uh, we had a great time, and it's it's unsure when the, uh, the next Drinktacular will happen, if another Drinktacular happens, because now, uh, like, the reason Casey's not here tonight, and you can hear our reason, uh, cooing and squealing, children have happened. And there's, there's, one for, there's one for all of us. Yes. One for each household. <laughs> they, they're children of plenty, so uh, that, that complicates a lot of things. And honestly, if if we if we had known what it was going to be like, we were going to have ours. And if I'm sure if Casey had known he was going to be having twins, Drinktacular probably would have not happened. Cause this At was least not al- happened to this year. It's, it's a it good was, thing that it did, though, honestly. It was a yes. lot on top of our plates, but I'm really glad it went through. We had a blast. And if we have one again, can't wait to see everyone there. Hope more people show up. We'll have to plan for that. It was, again, it was a small crowd, but it was good because it was the kind of crowd that we could actually handle. Wasn't there yes. talk of it being in a different location next time? Yes, probably. Yes. We, uh, there was some talk about that there. Plans may be made. We don't know. Hmm. Things, I'm not a doc. Things are afoot. And uh, speaking of things be afoot, uh, announcements, hey, we've only got one. Summer Movie Draft is just around the corner. As in, the pre-show was us discussing discussing strategy for the Summer Movie Draft. Mm-hmm. I believe it's this next, uh, this this coming Saturday, like one week from now. Yeah, the 9th. Uh, we will be drafting. I am unsure who will be hosting that. Uh, we'll try and tweet it out. And it will be on Twitch. You can watch the drafting. It will be me and Bob. Going into the drafting, he he did us proud last time, and I for the first time I will be there present. <laughs> we to... have a we have a strategy. It's uh it's liquor me up and throw me at the movies. Pretty much, and now I'll be there as a uh, oversight to be like, no, 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 we don't we don't want that. <laughs> uh, I don't know. We could have got Green Book. That's a that's a deep cut joke. Um. But no, we're looking forward to that. Uh, we should be getting once that's done. Uh, Big Voice Jay, I think, was was down to do more announcements. So look oh, forward to hearing more of those. God, I hope so. Been <laughs> been missing Big Voice's voice. Um, 
So, I believe let's get into some news. Yeah. Uh. All right, everyone's well aware that uh, ABM Bev pissed off pretty much the entire everyone. everyone. If someone brews, they are pissed at ABM Bev right now. I mean, usually. Over, over the corn syrup thing. So, apparently, uh, they had an uneasy alliance with Miller Coors already set up to start a big advertising campaign to try and battle uh, wine and spirits. And uh, this was with Miller Coors and I can't remember, uh, maybe Heineken, I can't remember the other other names involved. But because of their big Super Bowl ad stunt, which we have a trial of Sling, and that ad shows constantly on there. You would think <laughs> they would have had it pulled over the crap storm it started. Nope. Nope. <laughs> uh, there's no such thing as bad press. That's... That seems what uh, EB Bev is saying right now. I guess, even though they've had to issue several written apologies to, like, the corn lobby and all this stuff. Uh, but uh, the corn syrup war launched with a snarky ad during this month's, uh, last month's, Super Bowl. Uh, maybe got just... the, I've got the brands, by the way. The Anheuser-Busch, Miller Coors, Heineken, and Constellation. Okay, yeah, all the big players. We're going to yeah. be in on this. Uh, but may have destroyed an uneasy alliance between Anheuser-Busch and Miller Coors to reverse sliding beer sales with a broader industry campaign. The commercial for Anheuser-Busch's Bud Light, which employed the brand's now familiar medieval theme, fired a catapult over the castle walls at Miller Light and Coors Light for using corn syrup in the brewing process. Miller Coors was not amused, pulling out of a long-planned collaboration with Anheuser-Busch and other beer makers to win back drinkers, uh, many of whom have drifted to wine and spirits. Obviously, since Anheuser-Busch used the largest marketing platform in the United States to demonize the beer category, we've decided to put that work on pause. Uh, that's from Pete Marino, Chief Communications Officer of Chicago-based Miller Coors. <laughs> in the in the works Sorry. for more than 18 months, the campaign was still in the planning stages, with Anheuser-Busch, Miller Coors, Heineken, Constellation Brands among the beer uh, beer makers at the table along with industry organizations such as the National Beer Wholesalers Association, an ad agency... I like to picture it... I like to picture it as like that scene in The Godfather when the, like the five families are together <laughs> at the big table when they're deciding things. They just come in, all right, let's talk. Yeah. Uh, an ad agency had not yet been selected, but the campaign was likely to be in the got-milk mode for the dairy industry, trying to boost... The broader beer category, Marino said uh, he expected a test campaign to launch as early as this summer. Cesar Vargas, vice president of legal and corporate affairs for Anheuser-Busch, said in an email statement, the beer industry ad campaign is still on. We, along with other members of our industry, remain fully committed to strengthening the beer category and our joint efforts to highlight the very positive impact that beer has had on our economy and in our communities uh, will continue as planned. The greatest name ever here, Bjorn Trowery. <laughs> sure. Director of Communications for Heineken USA said Monday that it's too early to tell with the impact of the feud between Anheuser-Busch and Miller Coors, well, what that'll mean to the campaign, but the beer maker remains, quote, committed to the growing category. Constellation Brands Beer Division, uh, based in Chicago. A lot of these based in Chicago. Makes hmm. uh, imports... Beer City USA. Yeah. Imports uh, Mexican beers like Corona and Modelo. The company did not respond to a request for comment, 
Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> probably not on the good side. That or they just don't not want, a good thing. Or they just don't want to talk to the Daily Sun from Arizona. Also possible. <laughs> Both Anheuser-Busch and Miller Coors may have something to gain by working together as beer category loses ground. Beer sales, which peaked at 200, yeah, that we all we know the situation we're in. Uh, uh, quotes here: Younger drinkers drink less and less beer. Uh, I think they're just drinking less beer, as we've discovered here on the show. So uh, we haven't got to talk about this whole situation because we've been on like on and off breaks for a while here, and a lot of this stuff's been going down in that time period. So we did discuss briefly before, you know, the the corn syrup thing. It's like, yeah, pretty much everyone uses corn syrup. We're not corn syrup, but corn sugar. I feel like it kind of comes from Anheuser-Busch being, like, trying to, uh, uh, I guess, get back at all this time when everyone's like, yeah, they use rice in theirs. Yeah. Like they're monsters. So it's just... Yeah, it's just something for the yeast to eat, and they're using rice, and most other people will use some kind of sugar. Corn sugar, because it's cheap and plentiful. Yeah. It's all gone. It gets broken down by the yeast, and there's none of that left, and everyone assumed that it's being used as a sweetener, and that's what their ad people assumed. So, like, oh, we can, you know, hit them at the, with this. They're using, like, corn syrup in their beer, and it's like, no, no. And you're doing it, too. Again, uh, what is it, Bush? It's like Bush mm-hmm. and Bush Light both use corn yeah. syrup in theirs. Uh, I mean, I was even looking at uh, uh, an, a different article earlier where it was an interview with uh, one of their their VPs, and he is just like, "Yeah, no, we're we're the only ones doing 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 things right. Like everyone else are monsters." And you're like, "Uh, well, I mean, there's." corn syrup and there's high fructose corn syrup and one of these is more dangerous and you're just sort of everything's bad for when it comes to corn <laughs> uh-huh meanwhile okay. the corn lobby stops and goes wait a minute <laughs> yeah i believe you buy a significant portion of our product <laughs> we can release this information and ruin you but the whole like this whole ad campaign, I really don't know how much of an effect it's going to have on people because drinkers are moving again. I don't get this trend because it's like it's not our generation that are falling into the uh, hard seltzers, but those are apparently blowing up to the point that I saw the trickling stories of ABM Bev is looking around the room, going, "Oh crap! Bud Light's crashing. Everyone's moving on to these hard seltzers and other light spirits. Like, what the hell are we going to do?" Like, we have to get into this space now. And then when I was at the grocery store today, I was, I was like, well, let's look around and see who all's in this exploding category. I looked to the to my left, which is just the gigantic Miller Coors slash ABM Bev slash Heineken side of the aisle. And I'm like, nothing. Just all what they usually have. Turn to my yeah. right, and a third of it is now the three brands nationally available of hard seltzers. Right. So that, someone's someone's missing from that category, and they really want to get in it. Yeah, the problem is like, well, they've got to try to like hide it underneath a bunch of layers of names because people who are in there shopping for it, people who have been bu- buying hard seltzers so far have been like, oh yeah, no, I don't like AB and Bev products. Well, that's. That's an assumption I'm making. I may be entirely wrong, but that's that's what my gut says. Look, that's the assumption I make about it all the time, When whereas there's a large portion of people, like when we were 
in Asheville, and I told family members we were going. They're like, well, you've got to go to Wicked Weed. And I'm like, well. <laughs> I've been before after they had gotten bought out. There was there was some solid beer there. I wasn't, you know, wasn't opposed to it. It's just like, uh, like when we went this time, I was like, I've already been. I didn't feel any need to go this time. Actually, that, that was another thing I wanted to discuss briefly. It came up, like, I think that preview night, someone just kind of joking around. was like, so are you going to go? Huh? 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 And we all just kind of blew it off. And we're just like, eh, maybe. I mean, if we're down there. And then when we were actually down there, no one ever brought it up. And we never, it, like, it never came up. Someone never said, hey, you guys want to go over to Wicked Weed? It yeah, just never happened. And then we all got drunk and didn't even go to all the breweries we planned to go to. It's true. We did that's walk usually behind the problem, though, Wicked with... Weed quite a few times, but again, there was there was no like sign. It's like Wicked Weed this way. We're all we're looking straight ahead, going Bramari's right there. <laughs> Bramari's there. Maybe they have food. Uh, but yeah, the the I don't know, like the this whole Abby and Bev's ads tend to get have gotten them, I guess, in trouble in the last couple of years. Well. There's the one like from two to three years ago. It was like just after we had started the show. Oh that, yeah, that was that I I I, I hated because it was like remove no from your vocabulary. Oh well, there's that one too. I was thinking that was a little bit later. I was thinking of the one that was just them going like, "We're not like, oh, you know, yeah. don't drink your hipster beer, drink a real beer." And I'm like, no, I wanted something that had like flavor in it. <laughs> uh. But then there was the one that said, remove no from your vocabulary. And everyone's like, ah. Someone did that. That, that was a, uh, a big uh, whitest kids you know moment. With the, the grapist. He's going to grape <laughs> you in the mouth. He's going to put grape flavor in your. I don't see the problem here. You're, you're just reading into this. All right. Uh, yeah. But if you, uh, you agree with us and you think, yeah, maybe. ABM Bev blew that ad campaign. Maybe that campaign's still going to happen. I don't. I, I really don't know. I don't know how much of an impact it would actually have. I think it might also, be a waste of money. Also, dilly dilly is annoying. Extremely annoying, especially to people like us who have to deal with everyone running up going, "You you talk about beer, dilly dilly," and it, it took me like six months to be like, "What the hell is this? I don't yeah. know what you're saying." <sighs> Speaking of All right. not knowing what anyone's saying, let's talk about Untapped. Get riggedy, riggedy, Alright. If you follow yeah. us on Untapped, we apologize for what happened to your feed last last weekend. We blew you the hell up. If you follow me on social media, I apologize because it broadcasts every time I get a badge, and it was badge apocalypse. The first night I kept up with Untapped. I knew I was going to drop off. I didn't realize I was going to drop off by night, too. <laughs> I, kept, I never checked in stuff from the bottle share. I got everything else checked in, though. Well, here, you can go to, uh, if you wanted to check in, you can go check in and maybe get the Perfect Disguise badge. Uh, it's unique and unexpected, and the Perfect Disguise has a hoppy characteristics of a double IPA and the crisp, creamy mouthfeel of a Kolsch. That sounds amazing. I kind of want whatever this is. As a second installment of 2019's Off-Centered Art Series, illustrator um, Michael Hacker has perfectly depicted a delicious depiction uh, with uh, 
Deception with a playful label uh, artwork, along with a limited number of special edition prints signed by the uh, numbered by Hacker himself. Check into one, the Perfect Disguise, from Dogfish Head between March 1st and March 31st to receive the Perfect Disguise badge. So apparently, it's a colch they put some hop into, and right. I'm fine. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Indeed. Look, were this summer, that would that would be amazing. Yeah. Definitely. But it's winter, and we want some stouts and porters. Do want some stouts and porters? I always do. All my heart really craves. Hmm. Well, uh, next up, which I still speaking I, of stouts, <laughs> yeah, uh, which I can't believe this is like approaching already. Oh. I'm just like, what? What is happening with time? Uh, St. Patrick's it, Day it from Guinness. Slipping, 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 slipping in, into the future. <laughs> I suppose I asked for that. <laughs> Um, anyway, happy mm. St. Patrick's Day from Guinness from March 1st through the 31st. Adult beer lovers can, s- that's really, okay. Adult <laughs> beer lovers? What are children <laughs> oh, beer lovers? Oh, man. You're telling uh, me I could have been a child beer lover all this time? Oh, untapped. I've, I've missed out. Uh, don't let, don't, uh, never mind. Who writes their I was going to make stuff? a joke going like, I don't let Emmett miss out. And I went, oh, that's, that's a terrible thing to say. I feel bad now. Uh. I feel like uh, if anybody ever listens to the Angry Chicken, the Hearthstone podcast, they always mm-hmm. make uh, make fun of like the notes that are take that are done for uh, patches on the on the game, and they started making fun of like the lack of well notes, um, and they just kind of randomly came up with uh, patch note Steve failing at his job. <laughs> so I feel like that same guy works for Untapped. <laughs> Untapped Jim. Yeah. No, we. We've we know a gym. You can't say we know that. a gym. Jim would be better at this. We've discussed this. Most of like it's untapped, volunteers. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Untapped only employs like fifteen people or something, and a crap ton of this work is done by volunteers. I'm still yeah. just saying it's a little like, come on, guys. All right. Uh, <laughs> anywho, um, so uh, you have to not only check into the beer, the Guinness, in the month of March, but you uh, share photos of their stash. So, like, I guess the Guinness stash that you get Look, from the head. That's entrapment. You can't make me. <laughs> uh, so you're supposed, to, you're supposed to take pictures of your Guinness mustache using the hashtag stash for charity. And Guinness will donate a dollar, up to $100,000, to the Guinness Gives Back Fund, which supports nonprofits that contribute to the common good in our communities, including Team Rubicon, a veteran-led disaster response organization. Um, so you will obviously get the Happy St. Patrick's Day from Guinness badge, and it's just the whole month of March. Uh, so, so go to for it. For charity, all I could think of was, guys, We ha- there was jo- dry dr- January. I need Guinness March. Yeah. Just every day, just a mustache. Go, all right. I mean, for charity. Yeah, with St. Patrick's Day. That's, it's just like, what do we call it? Get shitty March? <laughs> yeah, that's a given. That's... Yeah, I know, but I'm just like I I said that, and then immediately went, man, the health concerns of that feels like it's going to be higher than I'm really giving it credit for. Mm. Also, I'm I'm now I have been around you too long, Bob, because my head is just a, a myriad of movie references. Because uh, <laughs> the Guinness mustache thing just makes me think of Hot Fuzz. He's like, you got a mustache. You got a mustache. I know. <laughs> if you haven't seen that movie, for crying out loud, what are you doing with your life? Oh my god, yes. If you haven't seen that movie, you have to watch it and then go watch the movies with Mikey. 
Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Movie Joy or whatever he's calling it now. Film Joy. Film right. Joy. Film Joy. About it. Oh, it, it's just mwah, chef's kiss good. All right. Um, so enough about badges. Yes. Let's go We're ahead. We're not that drunk. So I guess this is finally putting a cap on our, like, founding of craft West Coast craft breweries. I was asking Chris earlier, I consider there is a holy trinity of West Coast craft beer, and I'm being generous when I say modern. Coast. Say say modern. Modern. Because modern. The, I say we encompass all of, like, the founding fathers of modern-day craft because we've done Anchor, we've done Anchor, New Belgium, yeah. we did Sierra Nevada, and now we're on to Stone Brewing. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, Stone is, in my head, one of the big names in West Coast craft brewing because I can get them. That must mean they're doing something right. Because everybody can get them. Uh, I didn't bother to see get which. In Germany. There's only three states in the U.S. that you cannot get a stone beer. Uh, is it Alaska and Hawaii, two of them? Say that's what I would assume. Uh, I don't think that is, actually. Oh, right. See, I, I would think it'd be those two and maybe Utah. The Utah. Utah. You know, I don't think they serve anything under 5% ABV, so that's entirely possible. I don't think, like, if Utah said, you have to serve this, they'd go. <laughs> that's when Greg's just <laughs> cool going to laugh. Cool story, bro. Yeah, Greg's going to laugh, and he's going to, like, pee out of an airplane and be like, this is higher ABV than anything you serve. <laughs> he's going to pee out of an airplane, get sucked out of that thing. and <laughs> Penis first. It's a reference to the, to the news episode. The news show. Yeah. Uh, Well, Stone Brewing began as a collaborative effort between co-founders Greg Cook and Steve Wagner in America. So I'm going to say Wagner in this case. Wagner. Pretty sure sure he he doesn't pronounce it Wagner. I could be wrong. Send your emails to have a drink show with you're wrong. Uh, (laughs) I kind of just want emails to come in and just say you're wrong and nothing else. (laughs) Uh, Cook was born in Southern California and grew up in Ohio bit different <laughs> uh, he moved back west in 1984 to pursue rock stardom to the la guitar institute of technology above Hollywood, above the hollywood wax wax museum and working for a time as a guitarist steve vise tour photographer all right That's a kind of a whole pro- high profile gig right there yeah ask me uh, along the way, Cook earned a business degree from the University of Southern California, uh, and he managed bands and eventually launched a business in downtown L.A. renting studio space to musician- musicians. While attending USC, uh, it was while attending USC that Cook uh, frequented a downtown L.A. bar called Al's. Uh, Al's carried up to four draft beers at a time. Oh, we got very... both kinds of music here: country and western. That's again. This is the. This would have been the late 1980s, early 1990s when he's going there. So think about that: yeah. four draft beers at a time during that time period when it that that's just that's... after Blues Brothers. So that whole we have both kinds. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> I'm just picturing him going into the bar and on the radio. What's the first thing you can picture of playing on the radio at Al's bar as you go to sit down uh, in this time frame? Just immediately, my brain's trying to rack up something that was randomly playing on the radio in the Big Lebowski. Okay, all I could think of was Doctor Feelgood. Okay, that as well. 
Yeah, like I just picture walking into a in place. In L.A., like, yeah, no, that's a, that or Poison. Yeah. Uh, not Bill Biv DeVoe, but the <laughs> band Poison. Uh, anyway, uh, one Thursday, the tap choices were Lowenbrow Dark and Anchor Steam. Anchor uh, Cook chose Anchor Steam. He chose wisely. Uh, the signature offering from the independent small batch brewery uh, up the coast in San Francisco turned Cook into a self-described beer geek. And this is, uh, I gotta con- keep with my uh, my plugging here, so if you haven't checked it out, we did an entire episode on uh, <laughs> on Anchor Brewing, and it actually is an awesome episode that we learned a ton about. And uh, you can go check that one out in the back catalog and figure out how the Maytags, uh, yes, those Maytags that do washers and dryers, had a, a lot to do with the brewery. Every time Chris does a shameless plug, I feel like we need like a whip crack and like Sh- a shameful. shameless plug walker. No, it's shameful, shameful plugs. I feel the shame. I just can't, <laughs> I can't stop myself. Can't. Yeah, never mind. Profit into music again, and I'm just going to keep on moving. Uh, anyway, enter Steve Wagner. Uh, Chicago native was one of uh, Cook's tenants in a, at a studio in L.A. Wagner's English degree from the University of California, Santa Cruz, translated into 15 years touring as a keyboardist and bassist. Man, that's difficult to play at the same time. I'm impressed. He must have <laughs> had to use his toes. Unless it's like that scene from uh, Pick a Destiny when he's playing like a it's like seven-neck guitar or something and you just <laughs> yeah. keep seeing random <laughs> arms coming out of nowhere playing it. What the... <laughs> Uh, uh, Wagner, uh, oh yeah, uh, anyway, during that time, uh, a bandmate got him into homebrewing. That's how it starts. <laughs> just experimenting a little bit. Oh, I'm just gonna make a, make a little bit of a, uh, just make a nice ale. It'll be fine. I can stop anytime I want. Well, Wagner obsessed over it as both a hobby and a means of getting off the road, uh, and into something more stable. Wagner and uh, barely knew each other from the studio space. Wagner's band made its rent on time, so there's little need for interaction with Cook, the landlord. Uh, when they ran into each other on a Saturday seminar called Sensory Evaluation of Beer at the University of California, Davis, uh, they really fell, uh, fell into talking. Uh, it, one idyllic weekend in uh, 1995, Cook went to Solana Beach in northern San Diego County with some college buddies. This was the place, he thought... He called Wagner, whose brothers had gone to college in this area. He was in. Five weeks later, Cook drove his Mitsubishi Diamante. Uh, that is a fun name to say. Diamante. Diamante. Uh, the two hours from Los Angeles to Solana Beach uh, to move in with a friend. It was uh, in that condo that he brewed up the first test match- batches of what would become Arrogant Bastard Ale. Stone's most famous offering now brewed through a spinoff called Arrogant Bastard Brewing Company. Uh, in 1996, they secured $500,000 in angel financing from a 30-barrel brewing system uh, and set out to change the world. Uh, was that 500 or 50? I may have... 500. Okay. Uh, sometimes my eyes are dumb, so I had to just like, maybe I made a mistake. Uh a good thing to do when you work in a bank. Uh, three months later, they were officially releasing their first beer, Stone Pale Ale. 
Uh, it was the uh, company's flagship pale ale until it was retired in 2015. Do you think they like hang up uh, like a, a case or something in the rafters of the brewery like when they retire it? Like their like old first... championship pennants or something? Yeah. Like a lot of basketball teams do. I, I hope so. Like – at the very least, it has to be behind some kind of like sealed glass thing, like it's like it's Jordan's twenty three jersey or something. Yeah. See, they've retired every beer I've really loved from them, except for Woot Stout. Like every other beer, I, I'm like, oh man, this beer is great, and then it's like months later, oh, we're retiring it, and I'm like, son of a bitch. I mean, I will say, arrogant bastard started to get me uh, hop curious. A little hop curious. Well, we'll talk uh, about that a little later, but yeah. and uh, it's funny you bring that up. So, enter one big arrogant bastard. Don't so, do Don has been brewing up several classics by this time in their history, uh, including, uh, as I was mentioning, beers I loved, the now retired Stone Smoked Porter. Mm. But they had uh, begun to develop hoppier tastes, and the times they were a changing. Back Man, this in, sounds like a journey we're familiar with. Yeah. Back in 1997, uh, this is a quote, back in 1997 when we decided to release Stone IPA for our first anniversary, IPAs were strictly in the realm of the extreme beer enthusiast. Uh, at <laughs> extreme! Pizza, at Pizza Port, Carlsbad, uh, we found Swami's IPA, and that was hard to stray from. Uh, despite the long list of other fantastic beers they were putting out, it's hard to imagine now, but I can't recall any other big hoppy IPAs being brewed in San Diego County at the time. Uh, slim pickings back then, and many of them were IPAs in name only, not really living up to their hoppy potential. I understand that, Phil. <laughs> we wanted to change that. The bastard was born before we opened. It was a mistake made by <laughs> Steve Wagner while formulating our recipes that resulted in something we loved but it seemed way too aggressive for the general public. After Look, being... if there's one thing that uh, 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 TV, movies, and whatnot have taught me, trust the audience. They, <laughs> will, they will go with you on this. I, I keep picturing if... the opening to like Powerpuff Girls when like it was a mistake, and it just like cut to it's Greg and Steve. Barley. Homebrewing. Pops. Everything. Like, well, it's like barley, yeast, water. Everything hop. These <laughs> ingredients mixed together to create the perfect beer. But then there was an accident. And it's like chemical X into the into the formula. Hop variant X. Yeah, it's just it. more hops. <laughs> uh, after being opened seventeen months, we thought it was time to introduce him to the world. So, like, uh, where did I find this quote? I can't remember. Somewhere it was just like the stories behind uh, beer names. And I found this one, and it was pretty great. So this was uh, this is from Greg Cook uh, talking about where Arrogant Bastard came from. It told me what its name was. I think that Arrogant Bastard Ale, and this confuses some people, has always been named Arrogant Bastard Ale. I often see eyes glazing over when I say this, but I honestly believe that throughout the annals of time, throughout the millennia, Arrogant Bastard Ale has always been there. And has always carried its righteous name. It's it there just, on the shelf, next to Ruinum. It just is. It patiently, or more like impatiently, sat for eons, just waiting to be discovered. We did not create it. I did not name it. It was already there. We were just the first lowly mortals to have stumbled upon it. 
uh, Steve, Stowing, Stone Brewing Company's president and co-founder, was the first to learn how to brew the beer that was that already was, and I was the first to realize what its name already was. This sounds how- like an episode of Welcome to Night Vale. <laughs> how high do you think he was i was gonna say like on a scale of one to 420 yo yo yolo blaze it how high was he <laughs> he, he def- was he was at least three cheech and chongs <laughs> he definitely wasn't low all right uh, <sighs> so uh on november 7th 1997 the bastard was introduced to the world I think we made about 45 kegs in 100 cases, and they sold out quickly. Uh, We made more. That sold out. We made even more. That sold out. Finally, we realized this wasn't going to be a one-off kind of thing. Uh, Despite my suspicion, to the contrary, there were worthy people out there, and they were thirsty. The beer and the name was here to stay. That was from Greg. So uh, when we started doing the show, one of the first times I tried doing something that was like hoppier than anything else, and it was because it had barrel aged re- written on it, was the barrel aged uh, arrogant bastard. It was a collab they did with something, and it was certainly hoppier than than most things I had had at the, until that point. And as I, uh, it, it was perhaps a bit too aggressive for me then. And then we had some other things that kind of got me down the road to go, oh, oh, no, 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 you can handle this. Oh, it's yeah, good. No, so just just let this take over you. Arrogant Bastard was definitely my first craft beer. I bought it, uh, bought two of them from, uh, from a singles thing, but it was like bombers or quasi bomber. I don't know how big the bottles were, like probably like 22 ounces or something. But uh, the flavor made them seem larger. And, yeah, it did. So it was I bought one for someone as a Christmas present. Just being like, ah, arrogant bastard beer. I was like, this has to be some kind of, you know, just hokey thing you'd get for someone like this. Just like a, you know, one-off present for someone. And I was like, I want to try this. So I got myself one as well. And that was my first craft beer. And I didn't even realize it at the time. And I remember Mm. not really being a fan of it. But the success of this brand led to merchandise sales and spinoff beers. Merchandising. Merchandising. Over the years, we've seen Double Bastard Ale, now retired. Oak (laughs) Arrogant Bastard, retired. Retired. Uh, Lucky Bessert, uh, now retired. Luxi Bessert. (laughs) Yeah, Luxi Bessert. Uh, Retired. All due to the popularity of this iconic brand. Not not because they were retired, because the brand, they existed because the brand was so popular. Right. It has been described, the regular Arrogant Bastard, as a strong red ale with abrasive piney hops. Uh, And that is from the full pint. A few years ago, Stone quietly moved Arrogant Bastard Ale out of their portfolio and created a second label known as Arrogant Brewing. They started softening their main branding, moving away from the gargoyle as the main focus and trying to appeal to foodies and wine converts, as the bro branding was kind of a handicap. After a Twitter snafu, which we talked about on the show last year, year before? I think it was last year. Mm, uh, yeah. Some have been asking if it's time to retire the long-standing brand, 
The Bastard was born of the late 90s extreme culture and it may, extreme. Yeah, uh, and it may be beginning to show its age. This is a uh, I wanted to pause here for discussion and you can email and let us know your thoughts on uh, on the arrogant bastard branding, how that's holding up if you think it's time to retire that because that's uh, I think it's time to put that one to bed. Maybe, but I really love that gargoyle picture. So I don't think the gargoyle is going anywhere. I don't yeah. think you have to. They've been putting that on all their stuff, the new Metallica beer they did. Like, he, he goes up there. I think that's honestly where they've staked their claim, is doing uh, collaborations with bands and music groups. A lot of breweries are doing that. Yeah. But Stone is really about doing those. Well, and it makes it makes sense given, given the history of Greg Cook's, you know, career yeah. trajectory. He's got... As we just learned, yeah, he he's got the connections in the mm-hmm. world. I'm sure he still probably runs his a little bit of his L.A. business for renting out studio space. Yeah, that's probably kind of how he financed a lot of this originally. But I mean, we don't know that because there's not really a ton of information out there because a lot of this has to be cobbled together from secondhand sources, and they really don't have a good. Here's our story. Hmm. That's just my gripe about the whole thing. But, um, Arrogant Bastard. First I, podcaster problems. Yeah. Uh, Arrogant Bastard, I didn't like it at first. I came to love it, and now I think the beer is fine. It's great. It's, you know, that stepping off thing, and we're all like, yeah, it's kind of where I started into this and whatnot. Eh, maybe the, the branding needs to go away. They could, you know, rebrand the beer as something else. I think I would agree with that, but I also can't, I still can't do the beer. Like, I'm, I'm, I don't know why, but I'm just not a fan of it. Even after liking hops now, you know. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and that's that's fine because I mean, you know, everybody has their own kind of thing. I, it... I'm trying to remember if I have an arrogant bastard sitting in the fridge right now. I I thought I had bought one relatively recently, but I'll always say revisit it. I, yeah. One thing I've learned: if there was a beer three years ago that you didn't like. Go back to it. You may love it now. I will never love Pilgrim's Dole. <laughs> We'll it had back. its chance. We'll check back. Uh, all right. Well, in 2006, Stone relocated from the original brewery, now home to Port Brewing Company and the Lost Abbey, uh, to a new custom-designed facility in Escondido, California. After many years of development and being cramped in San Marcos, they created a new facility from the ground up in Escondido. As soon as they had a green light to move in, they filled the trucks and got moving. Not only did Stone move the offices in a single day, they wow. had the audacity to move the entire bottling line over the course of a weekend. <laughs> After they finished what? the bottling run on that Friday in San Marcos, dismantled the entire line, and had it running early the next week. Jesus. Yeah. The new home in Escondido gave them the ability to grow. A single batch quadrupled the size with the 120-barrel brew house. They sold the original brewery to Pizza Port, who had purchased their their first keg of Stone Pale Ale. That's the first Mm. keg of beer Stone ever made. Wow. Uh, Pizza Port went on to open the Lost Abbey, which operates there today. The brewery in Escondido produced 325,645 U.S. beer barrels in 2015 and is home to Stone Brewing, World Bistro, and Gardens, an 840. Yeah, 8,500 square foot restaurant with a large outdoor patio and one acre of gardens. That's a lot of garden. That's not bad, actually. 
Uh, one new brewery wasn't enough, though, and uh, Stone soon began looking to cross the pond in order to bring fresh pale ales to Europe. On July 19, 2014, Stone's CEO and co-founder Greg Cook stood before an esteemed crowd of European friends, compatriots, media, and soon-to-be neighbors in Germany to announce that Stone Brewing Company is coming to Berlin. The site of the announcement was the historic former gas works that Cook and company will transform into an equal part traditional and modern campus, including state-of-the-art brewery, packaging hall, restaurant, and gardens. Uh, Stone seems to have decided to follow the old colonization model and never be satisfied with uh, what it has and have opened tap rooms all across the world. Now with a Shanghai... Sorry. They just sail around the world put a brewery there. Pretty much. Yeah. That's, that's Stone their flag. flag. Yeah. The brewery or tap room. Uh, now with a Shanghai tap room, Napa, California tap room, and a second location tap room in Berlin, uh, the addition of these three new locations, Stone's unique venues now total 11. Like-minded in approach, each exists to elevate the craft beer experience while creating an environment that fosters togetherness and affinity for the art of craft. The spirit and philosophy of Stone guide every project, but each is exclusive to its own surroundings, buildings, character, and local community. So I gotta say that uh, if the the um, some of these were news to me, I'd kind of heard about the Napa one. I didn't know it was finished and open now. I know Shanghai, Shang- <laughs> Shanghai one. I'd heard rumblings of it. Go look up pictures. That one is awesome, and the oh. the brewery in Berlin is awesome like i want to go to these places they they look like i'm just flat out amazing destinations i would travel there just to go to these places i'd go to shanghai just anyway i want look it's kind of breathtaking like it it looks old west yeah it's great i don't need a reason to go to shanghai uh they put a lot into these Ooh. yeah (laughs) Now I'm just like, Sorry. okay. okay. We all have a second to look at it and go, oh, 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 makes, my. Makes for great radio for everyone to be like, oh, my. Well, oh I mean, my. you just have to go look, yeah. Um, okay. Greg's a bit of a showman, so yes. he, he puts, puts his best foot forward. Well, I mean, you want to put, especially if you're going to do, do stuff around the world, you you got to really step it up. I mean, it's like. This isn't a realistic comparison in the least, but it's like how all the Disney worlds are all like completely different in the different um, parts of the world. Like, mm. like Tokyo Disney is vastly different oh. from many of the other Disney worlds or many of the Dis- other Disney parks, I guess. Um. Anyway, so uh, let's not forget about the recent reverse manifest destiny we've seen back here in the States, though. Many major West Coast breweries, uh, New Belgium, Sierra Nevada, began... Brewery. Brew East, young man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, began opening major East Coast headquarters and breweries in order to get fresher beer across the country. During the summer of 2016, the same time they were opening the World Bistro and Brewery in Germany, Stone opened an East Coast brewery in Richmond, Virginia. Just like their large craft brothers and sisters, New Belgium and Sierra Nevada, or I guess brother and sister, uh, Stone has many programs designed to work with environmental, sustainable, and philanthropic causes. Which one of those crafts is the brother and which one's the sister? I don't know. <laughs> I, Sierra Nevada seems more feminine to me. I don't know why. Sierra's a girl's name? Apparently. His daughter is named Sierra? Yeah, apparently, yeah. 
And his son, Nevada, right? His son, Nevada, yeah. I love how the, the tour guide, when doing that, was just like, he paused and it's like, wait for the other shoe to drop, and Justin's very happily <laughs> no, no. to jump in there and I'll slam the, I will that pick shoe up down. this dumb joke. <laughs> He's like, I will run with this, and the, the tour guide is just like, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Someone needed to do it for me. <laughs> I have been making this joke too long, and I'm dying inside when I say it. Uh, well, uh, let's see. They have uh, rooftop solar panels on the Escondido Brewery, and they produce about 20% of the power for the brewery and uh, at their restaurant, preventing approximately 1.5 million pounds of CO2 from entering the atmosphere annually. So that's that's pretty good. Big hats off to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, why, why do all why do all the craft West Coast breweries have some great green initiative that we can? We gotta love it. It's not just them. See, one of the one of the reasons we wanted to talk uh, do an episode on Highland Brewing, or you know, they they have a campus and they have their own efforts that no one ever talks about. Like it's something something to see down there. Like I did not expect what we rolled up on. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, Stone Brewing in Richmond is a leadership in uh, energy and environmental design, uh, LEED, or LEED, silver, silver certified, which is pretty good. Uh, by the way, Richmond, Virginia, that seems like a solid day trip at some point. It does, doesn't it? We need to get that yeah, why haven't we done that? Uh, well, uh, also, the Stone Brewing Richmond is landscaped by using RVA goats. I don't know what makes that goats. What's special about those goats? But it uses local goats to maintain the land. Landscaping is low maintenance, low impact, and designed to restore the native habitat. The facility is uh, 98% landfill free. Oh, so that means 98% of the stuff is diverted from landfills. They're reusing a lot of it there. It's going to recycling facilities. Composting. Yep. Uh, so... Uh, Continue down there, Stone Brewing's World Bistro and Gardens is the largest restaurant purchaser of local small farm and organic produce in San Diego County. And for San Diego County, that's saying something. San Diego, it's Spanish for San Diego. Uh, Use... Small interruption. RVA Goats is an actual business. Okay. RVA no. Goats and Honey in Chesterfield County, Virginia. So they do landscaping or what they call goatscaping. Goatscaping, yeah, right, of course, yeah. So they're not. They're I'm not just like picturing a special military. Like I was unit like that, tactical goats. Like what does RVA mean? But okay, it's just the name no, of the company. It's not goats so large that you live inside them. <laughs> By the way, they say this, and all I'm picturing is uh, I don't remember what cartoon it was, but there was goats involved, and they held them like they were like weed eaters, and they ran down like a field, and the goats oh, are just yeah. chewing. Constantly, like that? eating grass to Ed mow the lawn. Was it Ed, Ed, and Eddie? I can't remember. Mm. Might have been. It feels like a Rolf bit. Yeah, it that, feels it, very much like it would have been that. Yeah, the chicken rustlers. And We've all watched that, so yeah. much cartoons. All right, uh, used fryer oil at Stone Brewing World Bistro and Gardens, Escondido, and Liberty Station is picked up by New Leaf Biofuel and converted into biofuel. Hmm. Uh, they have. Hey. Just Two. need to strain out. I said, just need to strain out the French fry bits, and you got yourself some uh, some biodiesel right there. It's not as efficient, but it'll get you there. 
this this is kind of like a low ball one to to mention. They have two electric car charging stations in the parking lot at Stone Brewing World Bistro and Gardens in Escondido to accommodate eco-minded drivers. That's only two, two more than are in, in probably this whole state. Yeah, that is to be fair. Indeed. Um even though like I, I know I know of one twenty minutes away from us, which is really no, strange. But is it in Ohio? It's in Ohio. Uh, if it's yeah. the Tesla place, Tesla's closing all dealerships and all Tesla sales will be online only now. Well, it's not a dealership. It's the, uh, I, I don't know why, but for some reason in the mire, that's like oh, oh, yeah. an exit down from my work, like in their massive parking lot, there's just randomly Tesla charging stations. Because the Tesla Like a gas pump fuel thing, but it's Tesla not. The Tesla dealership's like right there. Okay. Which, again, that's closing, so I don't know how long any of the rest of that will be open. Yeah. Maybe it may stay there. I saw a car actually charging there one day, and I was like, "What?" Okay, uh, so I can afford a Tesla. We've seen a lot of them actually. Uh, hmm. Anyway, spent grain that has been used in the brewing process is then repurposed as a mulching tool in the garden. Uh, the rest is used by local farmers as livestock feed and as ingredients in locally made soaps and dog treats. Uh, of course, creatively named Stone Bones. Uh, Stone is the first to repurpose hops and yeast for cattle, goat, and chicken feed. Hmm. That's cool. That, that is a thing I hear about at every brewery tour, so, almost. Yeah, we went on a hmm. lot of breweries tours, and they, like, in Asheville, I guess there's, like, one or two companies, and they're like, no, every brewery does this. Like, they all recycle their spent grain. That makes sense. Uh, yeah, you see the, the dog treat thing more than anything, I think. I yeah. guess maybe it's easier, but, um... In 2017, Stone had an uh, an outstanding 357 days of zero wastewater discharge to the city of Escondido, a staggering 27 million gallons of brewing byproduct turned into 17.5 million gallons of reclaimed water that was reused for non-potable cleaning processes. Hmm. Potent potables. (laughs) Indeed. In Richmond, wastewater discharge into the municipal treatment stream benefits the James River. The wastewater offsets high nitrogen levels, which the city previously counteracted with a chemical addition. So that's changed for the better. So good for them. I heard chemical addiction, and I went, man, (laughs) that poor water. Jeez. Went went to a different place. Uh, Got substance (laughs) abuse problems down there. Just (coughs) Yeah, keep giving me... Keep giving me those chlorine tablets. That's like the condition of the grounds where uh, New Belgium and Asheville was before New Belgium came in. Cause they, it's like well, a brown site? It was deemed an EPA brown site. you got to look up what that means. But it's like one of the lowest grades that can be given to oh, property. Like I was, was explaining it to somebody. He's like, well, there was a, uh, what was it, a, a, a butcher thing, like a, was, a, a what you call them? place where animals go to die it's just a big stockyard and butcher like, and a yeah slaughterhouse. Down, down the down mm. the river there were it was a slaughterhouse slaughterhouse that's where it was yeah there were scrap yards all in there they talked about all the cars they had to peel out of the place and that's what they looked for was an absolute biohazard like the place was just short of having nuclear waste there jeez and they're like, no, this is the site. We're gonna fl- we're gonna flip this. We're gonna flip this acreage. So, someone call uh, Hawkeye from the Avengers. He'll fix this. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, what's his name? Who plays him? Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner. He flips houses. Really? Yeah. Did not know that. 
Everyone does now. Yeah, who doesn't? Um, <laughs> Vanilla Ice. I don't. We should. I mean, obviously. Uh, so more than $3.5 million donated to charity since day one, with the annual Stone Anniversary Celebration and Invitational Beer Festival, longest name ever, responsible for raising more than $2 million of that total, which is nice. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, today, Stone Brewing is led by Greg Cook as executive chairman and co-founder, Steve Wagner, or Wagner, however, whatever floats your boat, uh, president and co-founder, and Dominic Engels, or Angels, to say, uh, as CEO, Stone Brewing is ranked by the Brewers Association as the eighth largest craft brewing company in the country, brewing 388,000 barrels of beer in 2017 and is distributed to 47 states. Looking ahead, Stone, it seems, is interested in getting into the brewery slash hotel business with work having already started on a hotel in the Escondido Brewery and plans in the works for a possible hotel in Richmond, Virginia. On February 12th, 2018, Stone filed a lawsuit against Miller Coors, the makers of Keystone Beer, alleging that they were attempting to co-opt their name after a brand revamp that emphasizes the word stone on the sides of their products, which we've talked about ad nauseum at this point. Yeah, so that's... I got I got a little nauseous just hearing it. Indeed. So that on this program, you may not, we don't talk about it ad nauseum, but on our other show, Have a Drink News, that is one where you can keep up with that story as things develop and uh yeah that's that's kind of what's taken over everything so when researching this that's kind of all i could find yeah that's fair it's really so i don't i don't get what they're doing they put so little information out there they want the beer to speak for them the beer does speak for them but we can't get on here and just talk about each individual beer they do i mean we could start talking about shogoveso right now and i'll be happy Oh, yeah, that's not, we, that. <laughs> we got to have the bourbon barrel aid Shokoveza while we were in Asheville. And the yeah. Chard. Oh, it's good. It's Don't even tell so me good. Like when I drink that, it reminds me of the it reminded me of the first time I had Shokoveza. Like it's that that kind of thing where just like it reinvigorates your taste buds. And you're like, that's what it tasted like in the beginning for me. And mm-hmm. it's not that the that the formula ever changed. They ever changed the recipe like everyone complains about. Uh, Hop slammer. Oh, they changed the recipe. It sucks now. It's it's watered down. It's like no to your virginal palate when you first had it. It was this gigantic fistful of hops straight in your mouth. It's like now you've had like 120 minute IPA and all this crazy ass stuff, and that's kind of tame now. It's just your taste buds. It's like when you do get used to like five alarm chili. Exactly. <laughs> so when it's like. Getting used to that after someone sets your mouth on fire. You're just like, eh, it's okay. It's like, you know... Never mind. This is going to go to a dark place. Let's move on to, to something else. Anything else we could talk about Stone with? Uh, what we're drinking. Drink with me, friend. Sorry. Can we? One of us can. One of us. Okay. <laughs> For once, I'm the one drinking to style. It's the weirdest thing, you guys. Um, my fridge is too full to go shopping for beer today. No, I know. And I was going, I wanted to get on that train as far as like, let's empty out the fridge. Um, but it goes along the same lines in that we had this beer and it, <laughs> it's another thing we need to get rid of. It I just didn't it happen to be in the fridge. Around, so. Yeah. It was just in like storage as opposed to the fridge. Um, but it happens to be to style. So this is from Stone. We've talked about it on the show before, I'm sure. 
Uh, it is the Woot Stout. Um, it is see, it's actually, 2018. The Stone Farking Wheaton Woot Stout. Right, right. Yes. Their collaboration with Will Wheaton. Yes. Um, and the guy who founded Fark. Yes. And it is ale brewed with pecans, wheat, and rye, one quarter aged in bourbon barrels. Eleven and a half percent ABV. And here's the uh, here's the bottle here. I'm usually used to the the um, the bomber. Yeah, this year they did uh, bombers they did. and six packs. Yeah. Yeah. And given the option, I bought a six pack. Right. Um. So yeah, Stone Farking Wheaton. Um. It is. So Drew Curtis, Will Wheaton, and Greg Cook, obviously. Um. But it is delicious. I wanted a stout specifically, and. He's like, well, <laughs> it turns out that we well, have if you must from Stone, so that works out. Um, and, you know, I paired it with some Girl Scout cookies because it's the season. Because uh, <laughs> you said peanut butter patties with the Woot Stout sounds like a winner. I mean, it's really. The season to be- it's the season to fund paramilitary organizations? It yeah, is. It is, actually. Oh. Uh, okay, then. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't realize. But um, it's a really delicious stout. You can actually, I-, I think you can taste the pecans pretty well. I mean, I can. Some, sometimes I've heard people are like, eh, I don't really get it, but I, I can taste it. Um, it's just a really good beer. Like, it's one of my favorite things. So, there's that. Yeah. Well, uh, Chris, we're drinking the same thing. Because we both have pink eye. We do. We, uh... Do you want to talk about it or do you want me to talk about it? I guess I will. All right, so we told you all in the beginning that... Uh... The pink eye went around over in Asheville, and me and Bob both ended up with cans of conjunctivitis ale from yeah. Second Shift Brewing. This is a New England IPA. comes in at 5% ABV. Uh, IBUs, I couldn't find them anywhere. But uh, So their description, Kreider has always wanted to brew a pink IPA, or is it a pink eye PA? PA. Uh, 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 and name it conjunctivitis. We brewed this New England style IPA with uh, zythos hops, lactose, and hibiscus flowers. Here's mud in your eye. Uh, has you know, three point eight out of five on Untapped. You know, the hibiscus flowers do kind of come through. They do. Like you would think that would be a thing that could possibly get lost in the shuffle with with stuff when you're doing an IPA, but like. It's it's real nice. Like I, I've actually really been enjoying this one this this whole episode. Yeah. So uh, the lactose is a bit much in there. It could just be my taste uh, is fading for lactose in my uh, New England. Just yeah. I just want to poppy I, I now. S- yeah, I could see that. Like, I would I like a a straight hop bomb sometimes. Yes, but you know to get through you know going through the whole episode today having this. It is. It is a little bit sweet. Yeah, that's. It, it hits a little on the sweet side. I do get like the hibiscus gives it a nice little tart thing, which I think is just yes. enough to get me through the can of it. But mm-hmm. it has been very enjoyable. I will say. Yes. And, you know, if you're gonna do uh, a pink IPA, why not call it conjunctivitis? Right. And the can art's pretty great as well. It's got a big bloodshot pinky eye. Mm-hmm. No, it. This is. I was. I was a little bit afraid. I'm not gonna lie. When you crack open a can of something called conjunctivitis, someone, who knows what you're gonna get? Did someone just wipe the top of the can with their butt? Like, are they are they trying to give it to you? I mean, he was trying to give it to us. He did give it to us. Uh, 
but it was uh man i got so much good stuff from the bottle share just to take home because we had too much that i'm just like man i have an embarrassment of riches that i have to get through quickly i can't even get it all in the fridge yet like that is my goal is to get it in the fridge Uh, all the ipas and like heavily flavored things i dumped in the fridge first and then i'm sitting there going well crap i can't get the rest of this in my friends are going to be very tired of uh, of the various like our D and D games. Like you brought more beer, I have to get rid of this while it's still good. I need I need help getting rid of all of it. <laughs> Otherwise, I have a problem. Yeah. It's how I res- it's how I drink responsibly. You'll have my problem. Hmm. Yeah, you <laughs> it can... looks a lot like it right now. So our fridge is although, crazy. Although. Uh, while we were down there, I will say real quick before we, we start doing our sign off, uh, one of the things that's been taking up some space in there are those cans of the uh, uh, from Highwire, the German chocolate cake. Uh, mm. Yeah. 10W40. Uh, 10W40, yeah. Uh, I, I'm always afraid I'm about to say the wrong thing, so I had to stop and go, okay. It's just, okay. Uh, they, uh, one of my coworkers had made a cake not too long ago out of Guinness, and she was like, I want to make a cake, but I don't have any beer, and I kind of want to make that chocolate cake again. It's like, chocolate cake, you say? <laughs> have I got the beer for you? Come on by. I'll, I'll get you hooked up. And she's like, what? I have a beer that's called German chocolate cake. And that cake, damn good. Hmm. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for this week. Nice. I think it will. So you can subscribe and get some great resources uh, at haveadrinkshow.com, and you can follow us at Have a Drink Show on social media and Twitch. Uh, and don't forget, oh, pardon, don't forget you can tell us your favorite drink, ask a question, or just leave some general feedback. You can use the email address feedback at haveadrinkshow.com. You can also use the feedback page on the website. Yeah, guys, uh, all joking fun aside, I'd like to remind everyone to please drink responsibly. Again in Asheville, when uh, we were going to drink too much and we knew we were going to be drinking a lot, hey, guess what? We took a lift. We did. And we took the uh, complimentary shuttle from from the hotel. And they're like, hey, the shuttle shuts down at 8. And it's like, we'll lift back. Don't worry about it. Because there's a thousand lifts in Asheville. And when you're there in the off season, you have all these lift drivers who are just dying to pick you up. So I don't think anyone waited more than two minutes on a lift. Mm -mm. It was kind of nuts. And it was, like, everything's within five minutes. So I don't think anyone paid more than, like, $10 on any lift to anywhere. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, remember to check us out again next weekend for the next uh, live episode. And hopefully uh, the next recorded episode will be up in a reasonable time frame. Uh, (laughs) uh, What do you say, Emmett? He's asleep, so that's... That's a good sign. Maybe that's a good sign. Promising. (laughs) All right. uh, Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. And we'll see you guys next time. Bye. 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 Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs>